But even as an infant, when I would cry, they would say, oh, she's demon-possessed. Let's do an exorcism. No, Ashley. An infant, there's literally nothing you can do about crying. <laughs> Everything is painted as bad. Like, I don't even, I'm speechless right now. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us at Colts to Consciousness. This storytelling podcast is meant to be for entertainment purposes only and does not substitute for any medical advice. We may discuss triggering topics and we ask that you make your personal mental health a priority. Lastly, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the host. Hey everyone, my name is Shalise Ansola, and this is Cult to Consciousness, where we discuss leaving high-demand religions or organizations and finding healing and independence through awareness and true individual sovereignty. So if you are listening only and you would prefer to see the video, we are on YouTube, so head over to my YouTube channel, Cults to Consciousness, like and subscribe, all the things, and um, check us out there. So today I'm so extremely excited to be joined by one of my good friends. Uh, She is incredible. She is a cult survivor turned advocate. She is an intuitive master. She has multiple classes that you can join, um, learning how to follow your intuition, which is what we're going to be talking about today. She is also the founder of Courage 365, which is a nonprofit for abuse survivors and a television producer focused on highlighting stories, um, meaning, and a mission. So she's incredible. Here she is, Ashley Easter. Woo! Thank you so much for having me on the show, Shalise. When I heard that you were doing a podcast, I was like, yes, this is what the world needs. I mean... I love that you're focusing on cults, but also that consciousness piece, like, absolutely, this is something that is filling a hole in the space. And I think a lot of people are just going to be like eating this up. So for you to have invited me on, I'm just like, super excited. I'm all here for it. Well, I was thinking about it. You are literally the perfect guest for cults to consciousness because you are (laughs) the perfect example of going from a very restrictive cult to consciousness and following your intuition. So with that said, I would love to give like a quick background um, or as quick as you would like it to be of your story, where you came from, how you ended up here, and then let's get into the the juicy goodness of all of the tips and tricks for our listeners. Okay. Yeah. So your listeners probably already know this, but one of the things about being in a cult is a lot of times they use like insider lingo and words that only mean one thing to the cult. And it could mean a completely different thing or nothing at all to the rest of society. So whenever I tell my story, I have to like define a bunch of terms for it to even make sense. So bear with me while I do that, but I'll, I'll try to make it as interesting as possible. But Shalise, if I'm like, um, you know, missing something or you're like, nobody's going to know what you're talking about. You need to explain that. Like, just stop me because, yeah, that that's a piece of cults. They use their own language. <laughs> yes, and I appreciate that. And I have to – I can't believe I almost forgot this. You're extremely great at at defining things because one of, the, one of the pieces of the puzzle when I realized I was in a cult was from your own website. <laughs> oh. So we can thank Ashley Easter for me realizing 12 years after leaving the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. Mormonism, that I was in a cult because I was looking at your website and I found that little, uh, what did you call it, a mini, like a 
like mini ebook yeah a mini ebook yeah. i was like a mini novel that's not right a mini ebook on the bite model and it blew my mind so i don't think you'll have any problem with describing your experience <laughs> and uh, defining things for our audience so i'm super excited yeah and we'll have to link that afterwards cuz it's it's still available it's not something that i've promoted recently on my page but um the reason i created the mini ebook. It's just called um, Cults Hidden in Plain Sight, How to Spot Them and How to Break Free. Um, I created that because there's a lot of information on cults and it can be really daunting. And so, I don't know, I think you can probably read that book in like 20 or 30 minutes and it kind of gives you the highlights. And that's why I did it. Not because there isn't already a huge body of work out there, but like if you want a condensed version to be like, oh, yeah, this this sounds like what I was in um, or no, it doesn't. You know, it's it's kind of a, a quick method towards that. So anyway, we'll talk about that later. I will definitely link it below. It's incredibly interesting and very informative. OK, awesome. Awesome. Well, I actually grew up in the Quiverful cult, and um, if your listeners are looking for sort of a pop pop culture example of that there's two tv shows that pretty well show kind of an overview so there's the duggars 19 kids and counting that show is not on tv anymore because of all the abuse scandals that have come out around that but um that's one there's a show that is on tv right now called welcome to plathville and i would say that my upbringing is probably a little bit closer to the welcome to plathville one than the duggars 19 kids and counting but there's so much overlap um, but if you're looking for a pop culture example, like let your mind kind of go to those shows or, or check them out because they're really fascinating. Um, but basically if I were to kind of tell you where I was on the cult spectrum, there was a lot of different layers to it. So first of all, I was the granddaughter of pastors. Both of my grandfathers were actually pastors in the independent fundamentalist Baptist church, which a lot of people do say that that denomination is a cult in and of itself. I don't have a hard time believing that. The churches are independent, um, and there are a lot of different types of Baptist churches. Like there's, I think, like 20 different types of Baptist churches, and some of them are super progressive. Like I have the, um, the pastor who perform my ordination ceremony, she was from like a queer affirming Baptist church, but it was not IFB. It was not Southern Baptist. So if you're a Baptist, like I know that there's a lot of variation in there, but one grandfather was a pastor of an IFB church in the North, the other in the South. I lived in the South in Lynchburg, Virginia, which sometimes that sparks interest in people because that's also where the largest Christian university in the world is Liberty University and oh. Jerry Falwell and Jerry Falwell Jr. and all of them. So that's that was the town I lived in. And for reference, like we thought they were liberal. Um, so <laughs> if you're like, you know, thinking, I mean, they're actually very conservative. So if we thought they were liberal, like that kind of also paints the picture. But in this IFB church, and there were so many rules. So like in the church documents, um, like I'm trying to think what they call them, like the bylaws, I think it was, um, you agreed that you would not dance. So like that was actually in church documents. So that's like full on footloose style. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot. <laughs> Man, I can't even imagine. Like, dance is my life. Dancing was actually, and I'm sorry, to, quick tangent. 
dancing was the way that I escaped the cult mentality because it was <sighs> the only time that I could really be in my body and express myself freely and and not get a lot of pushback until I did some twerking and then they were like whoa cut that shit out but you know <laughs> what I mean like it was such a way to reconnect with myself so I can't even imagine what that would be like without that ability yeah yeah no it's it was odd and you know I think the I don't know, there's some, like, old saying about, like, uh, you know, the closest thing to sex is dancing or something like something like that, that, you know, and so they just felt like it was just too much. And, um, yeah, I, I even now I have a bit of trouble sometimes moving my body because in church, you know, you stand up, you grip the back of the pew, you don't move a muscle, you sing the songs without any movement. Whoa. If you close your eyes or raise your hands, you're probably doing that for attention. Um, so like music, I can feel in my body that it wants to move, but I also have like this rigid block of like, let's hold on to the pew and not make any movement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so a lot of other things in the church, um, like our family, at least, we did not believe in going to movie theaters um, because of something about like the appearance of evil, um, that people don't know what you might see in a theater. Um, there were very strict gender roles. Um, women were not allowed to have leadership positions in the church. Um, basically, a woman's role was like taking care of the children in the church and um, maybe doing some ladies Bible studies, those, those kinds of things. But I wasn't just in this church community. There was actually a lot of other layers to it. So you have this IFB church that I'm in. And then I was also part of the homeschooling movement. So the homeschooling movement also quite broad people homeschool for a lot of different reasons. Not all of them are religious Olympic athletes homeschool their kids sometimes so they can work on their craft. Um, I know a lot of queer kids are being pulled out of public school just to protect them from violence that's happening. It can be done well, and it doesn't always have like a religious cult connotation. But those are really kind of the roots of the homeschooling movement when it started was highly religious and very much like separating you from society. So there's all these like little movements within the homeschooling movement. And one of those movements is called the patriarchy movement. We were also part of that. Um, <laughs> Hold on. So it was actually called the patriarchy movement. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So um, they thought it was a good thing. <laughs> pretty much in your face, like... This is patriarchy. And as you would expect, it's pretty much the definition of patriarchy. Men are in control over women in the home, church, and society. A woman's role is to submit to the men in her life. Um, usually the goal is for you to get married young, have a lot of babies. Um, and really, there were some single women, um, but... I'll even get into that because they kind of had a role for even single women. But it was it was very much like say yes to sex, obey your husband, housekeeping was really a big part of of that. Um, but that's not all. There's but, more. Wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> for just 20 more years of being in a cult, you can also get. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, so you had the homeschool movement. Inside of that's the patriarchy movement. Patriarchy movement also has some other sub-movements. One of those is called the quiverful movement. 
And that's the one that I mentioned in the beginning that people like the Duggars um, uh, seem to be a part of. And if you haven't heard of that terminology, basically they take this scripture out of context from the book of Psalms in the Christian Bible. And they say, um, children are like arrows in a mighty man's quiver. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So logic being for them, if you're to be a blessed man, you should have a lot of children. Children are like arrows. So you want to fill up your quiver with children slash arrows. And then when they become adults, you're going to shoot those arrows out into the world. They're going to sink into all the main sectors of society, like the home, church, government, schools, media, um, the arts, you know, all the different main sectors of society. Um, but you're not the only one who's going to be having all these children. I remember as a teenage girl sitting through a lecture um, about the 200-year plan. 200-year plan is this. You have 10 children. Those 10 children have 10 children. Those 10 children have 10 children. And on and on and on for 200 years, your friends are doing the same. After 200 years, you're going to have an astronomical amount of descendants. You're going to dominate the world through overpopulation, sinking them into these sectors of society so you can really influence the world with your patriarchal perspective. Um, whoa, that's Whew. heavy. Multiply and replenish the earth much? <laughs> yes, yes. So that was that was taken pretty seriously. Um, and of course, a woman's role in that is to have all those babies. The man's role is generally to be the ones shot out. Um, and so you've got homeschooling movement, patriarchy movement, quiverful movement, it's kind of like those Russian nesting dolls, like where they stack yeah. into each other. <laughs> just keep going and just going. like all one doll of it terribleness. <laughs> then you have, in the center of it all, the stay-at-home daughter movement. Oh, just those words. Like all of these titles just make me, ugh, like they're so cringy. And before you get into that, I was wondering, can any of these movements exist without the base of the religious, um, the Baptist sect that you mentioned or they all have to be kind of combined um it's not just baptist no i would say that it's very popular in independent fundamentalist baptist communities i've seen quiverful movement take place in some pentecostal organizations um and some non-denominational mm. it's always going to be on the conservative side of Christianity. And then even other faiths, they may not call it the quiverful movement, but you'll see it in um, fundamentalist forms of Judaism. Like, um, I, I want to say it's the um, uh, Hasidic Jewish community. I think they have a lot of uh, quiverful ideology that they call it something different. Some very fundamentalist um, types of uh, Islam. Again, there's there's progressive forms of all these religions, but this is something that you generally find in the major Abrahamic religions when you get conservative enough. That's really interesting because I would have thought that it was so sectioned off or kind of isolated within that one church, just like there's lots of different types of um, groups within Mormonism, the, the yeah. religion that I grew up in, where... You have like the survivalist Mormons, then you have the fundamentalist Mormons, but it's all kind of secluded. So how how do other people in other religions kind of find out about this quiverful movement? Is there like a guy at the top kind of telling everyone what to do and what's important and what's not important? 
Well, people of different religions, which is different than different denominations, people of different religions would not intermix with their ideology. It would be more so one of those things where you just find these having masses of children for overpopulation ideologies, um, which is very similar to Quiverful, but they probably wouldn't own the Quiverful title. Got it. That makes sense. Okay, so we have we have the three Russian dolls. You were about to explain the fourth stay-at-home daughter movement. So the stay-at-home daughter movement is sort of like an inevitable extension of the patriarchy movement um, because it's this this idea basically that like okay these married women are supposed to submit to their husbands, but what do we do with unmarried? adult women like we can't just have them not submitting to anybody because that would be like a major travesty i mean they could wreak so much havoc in the world imagine um <laughs> uh so they came up with this stay-at-home daughter ideology which is basically even adult women um submit to their husband uh, I, i'm sorry submit to their father until they're given away in marriage to their husband Ugh. yes so that also exists on a spectrum, depending on how strict your father was or was not. A lot of stay-at-home daughters did not have higher education. Uh, mostly the goal was to learn homemaking skills, those types of things. Um, a lot of times you'll find these stay-at-home daughters taking care of their younger children or their younger siblings. Um, and I know in my experience, it was basically all the major and a lot of the not so major decisions in my life still being made by my father. So for instance, I was 21, fully legally, not only in a voting adult, but also like I could drink, you know? Yeah. Um, so that age, 21, definitely not a child anymore. My dad's still trying to tell me what I can and cannot wear. It really extended into like relationships, those types of things as well. And we actually practiced something called courtship instead of dating. So one more set of terms to describe. So you've got traditional dating where the guy and the girl, man, woman, they um, decide or or whoever. But again, this is the patriarchy, so it's going to be heterosexual. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, you get to decide how fast or slow that relationship moves. You get to decide when or if you're in a relationship, what your physical standards and boundaries are, when if you have sex, when if you take it to the next level and get engaged or married. Um, it's all very free-flowing. That's traditional dating. On the other end of the spectrum, and this does happen in some homeschooling communities, you have betrothal or arranged marriage, which you may or may not have a choice in who you're marrying. Forced oh. marriage can be involved. Um, that's where a lot of the child marriages that you hear about, which, by the way, is still legal in the majority of U.S. states, child marriage. Um, yeah, that's a completely other topic, but sadly it does happen in the homeschooling movement. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's it's completely ruled by the parents you may not even meet the person till the altar so that that is a thing that happens for us we were kind of in the middle of those two things we call it courtship so i had veto rights i could say no to a relationship um i could say if i was interested in a person and we had some sort of a courtship process but my dad in particular had to be very involved or my grandfather so um for instance like in my parents relationship my grandfather picked out my dad for my mom 
they went along with it. They're both into it, I, I suppose. And they got married. Um, that was kind of the expectation of what it would be for me. I got into um, a courtship relationship with a guy. It turned out to be pretty um, toxic and emotionally abusive and a lot of other things happening there. Um, but even still, like it, it was very much um, under the control of my father. So um, if I could be in that relationship, if I could get engaged, if I would be married, it wasn't like you're getting a father's blessing. It was permission because Ugh. you are basically property of your father till he gives you away. Um, thankfully, I was able to get out of that relationship. We were already engaged, tracking down total uh, marriage and things just got to a point where they were really bad. And that's sort of when kind of my intuition story starts, which we can talk about that when you're ready. But that overall was sort of the movement that I was a part of. Um, we knew some other people outside of the church, but not very many, at least very closely. And those people generally were a part of similar churches in similar Quiverful homeschooling communities. So you know, this idea that you're locked inside a compound, that wasn't applicable here, but this idea that it was very much an echo chamber and that I didn't know really what the real world was like and was very terrified <laughs> of the real world, um, that was for certain the case. Very, very isolating. Wow. That, I can't even wrap my brain around all of that. So one thing that I like to ask people who have grown up in cults is when you were in it, like, do you remember feeling uncomfortable or like bad feelings in your stomach, something telling you that, you know, this isn't right? Or did you really feel like, oh, everything's fine and this is just how life is and I'm happy and healthy? And I, I remember um, you had said in other interviews that you actually had a blog where you were like telling other women how to be subservient, right? Yeah. Yes. So to answer your question, um, yes and no. So when I was very young, uh, even from like just a couple years old, like I knew something was off, you know, it felt off. And there was a lot of things that happened to me as a young child that should not have happened to me. Um, and I think there were cult things happening. And I think there was also a fundamental misunderstanding of child development. So anything that you were trying to become an individual was you're rebellious. And rebellious is like the sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft is alliance with the devil. Alliance with the devil gets you cast into hell. Hell is eternal torment. So those words were thrown around towards me for just trying to be a child, four years old. And I, um, there was actually a really pivotal point in my life, actually, um, I was told, given the impression, that my parents were leaving town on a little mini vacation and leaving me with my grandparents because I was just too much for them. Oh, oh, that breaks my heart so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even kind of the backstory to that, again, just being a regular child, but even as an infant, when I would cry, they would say, oh, she's demon-possessed. Let's do an exorcism. No. Ashley. An infant, there's literally nothing you can do about crying. <laughs> Everything is painted as bad. Like, I don't even, I'm speechless right now. Okay, so you knew that something was off. 
Um, but you didn't have a choice. You had to continue on this path. And as you grow older, you're getting more and more indoctrinated Mm -hmm. and more and more secluded and isolated from the real world. And you can't dance. You can't go to school and be exposed to other people. And do I remember correctly that you couldn't even listen to music that wasn't faith-based music? (laughs) Yeah, we had uh, hymns. Southern gospel, some Southern gospel, and some of them we had to turn the bass down because the drums were a little bit too much. Stop. Um, (laughs) And Beach Boys, because that was something that my dad, I think, was quote-unquote rebellious in in his teen years, and so he let us listen to the Beach Boys. But other than that, it was pretty much religious. Wow, so no drums. In the beginning, there was very little drums. Like at church, no drums for a long while, except for Easter Sunday. And they used like one of those big kettle drums. And when it was like, you know, Christ is risen, you know, they, the choir singing and they would do, bum, 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 you know, <laughs> that was like as much as it went. Um, as I got older, that changed a bit. And our church went from um, kind of being very much like that. They they started picking up some more uh, neo-Calvinism, which is another completely different branch. It, it more intellectualizes all the other patriarchal bullshit. Um, but it's the same stuff. But they were like, okay, we can have, you know, box drums. That's fine or whatever. But yeah, in my childhood, that was not cool. And um, even Christian music was sometimes like... Contemporary Christian music was usually a no. Southern gospel specifically, because it usually sounded a bit country, and there's not a lot of drums in country. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so I think we have a beautifully painted picture of the suppression that you are going through and all of these red flags. And so at 21, is that when you really started to wake up to what was going on and put your foot down? You said you were in an abusive relationship and you just said, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. Right, right. So there were many times when I felt like something was off. One of the biggest times was again when I was about four and my grandfather, um, my parents went out of town. They said I was too much for them. And my grandfather did a lot of behaviors that really broke me and broke my will, put me under submission. And that it wasn't so much a situation where I had a choice. It, it was like this or you can't survive this. So then I started um, – leaning into the beliefs because that was how you survive. And I did, like you had mentioned, I wrote a blog to about 3,500 women about adherence to the patriarchy. It was called Stay at Home Daughter. Um, I wrote like a mini ebook called Single Girl, and it was about being single with Jesus, you know. Oh Humiliating. I also wrote another book called Keeping House While Keeping Sane. That was published when I was 17 years old. I need to read um, these. I really want to read these because <laughs> I just, really don't. You really I really don't. do. But for the purpose of illustrating exactly how far you've come. Yeah. Right? Like the healing that you've experienced and that you've put work into to become who you are now, an intuitive master. So, okay, I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> It is interesting. A lot of the same, I don't know, skills that I learned, but was using to give patriarchal propaganda, those same skills came 
became useful later when I was promoting equality and safety and intuition, those kinds of things. But interesting. that's kind of the backdrop of everything. I'm in this really toxic relationship. I had just broken up with a guy. And what happens when you leave an abusive relationship? Well, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So I had all the classic stuff, you know, the nightmares, the suicidal thoughts, the um, panic attacks, the just hypervigilance and, and fear. And, you know, I saw to see him at church and just just all these things. And it was one of those situations where my grandfather encouraged me to just tell people he's a good guy who loves the Lord. It just didn't work out. You know, meanwhile, he's able to share his um story of what he he felt happened with the relationship ending and it it was humiliating because I wrote this blog and you know thousands of people followed my engagement and our courtship process mm. and I'm a pastor's granddaughter so you're on like this in this glass house for this church of several hundred people and um so it was humiliating to break it off and then on top of it you've got the PTSD and this is really when I started hearing my intuition again because I'd really had to shut it down pretty much after that time when my grandfather, um, you know, broke my will as a child. And what happened was I had a hard time sleeping because I would have nightmares and panic attacks about mm. him. But I also hated being awake because I'd also have fear anxiety and panic attacks and so it was like I felt like I didn't have an escape um that's really why the suicidal ideation came because it was like I just I can't escape this this terror um so one thing I would do is I would stay up late at night after the family had gone to bed and I would put in music in my headphones and just turn it up really loud to just try to drown out the sound of my own mind to just try to not think to stop all thinking and it was one of those nights when I did that. Wow. So it has, it was the first time I'd really heard my intuition in a long time. And it was really shocking to me. And it came across super strong. So basically what happened is I had my headphones in. I'm listening to music, just trying to stop all thought just so I can survive. And all of a sudden this voice comes to me. And... I also felt like this presence and like this weighty feeling on me. Like it felt like it had physical weight. Whoa. I found myself on the ground because I was like, what is happening? Like, is this the voice of God? Right. Because what else would it be when you're conditioned right. to believe that way? <laughs> yeah. And these words that I did not conjure came up into my mind and they said, it's going to be okay. Something big, something good's about to happen. It's going to be okay. Something big, something good's about to happen. Whoa. And I was blown away. I was shocked. I didn't know what was happening. Like I said at the time, I thought maybe it was like the voice of God coming through. I realized now that was my intuition. And the reason I could hear it was because I was finally shutting down all of the noise outside of me. And I was actively trying not to think. So then yes. your subconscious mind, which is where your intuition is, can actually be heard. But I did not know that at the time. Uh, but the voice was right. Um, not long after that, um, I started waking up. I was introduced to this guy at a coffee shop who um, was a Christian but he believed in equality for women. Um, it's called egalitarianism in the theological circles. And I thought he was trying to lead me astray. I thought he was like this 
feminist, you know, person that I'm like, oh my god, feminists, I've heard how evil they are, but I'm shocked <laughs> that this is a man who's a feminist. This is weird. Um, and I really tried to kind of push off that conversation, but he kept asking me questions. He found me on Facebook and kept kind of poking at me with these questions. And, you know, I... I felt like I had to debate him and to tell him what the truth was because I'm a pastor's granddaughter. I am supposed to be here, you know, able to to tell the world what the truth is. Like, that's kind of my job. I, I have this blog. Um, and the stereotype is true. Homeschoolers are notoriously good debaters. It's just a fact. <laughs> it's something that we learn early on. <laughs> and so... To be a good debater, you have to study the other person's point of view so you know it their angles and their arguments better than they do. So you can kick the legs out from underneath of them and, you know, just shut down their arguments. And I knew my arguments really well. I'd studied them for years. So I started studying equality for women. And to my shock and horror, um, I've been lied to. And the patriarchy was a big scam. <laughs> Ashley, Listen, I know the patriarchy is a scam. <laughs> I know this situation all too well. See episode one. My goodness. Yeah. When people are like, that's not how things are. And you're like, yes, they are. Let me prove you right. And then you can do the research and you're like, I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, so that me that brought me down the path of really deconstructing everything. Because once you pull out that one piece, it's like a Jenka tower. Um, I think I first heard that analogy from David Hayward. He does a lot of like art about anti-cult stuff. And it's like when you pull out a piece from this Jenka Tower game and when it's a foundational piece like patriarchy, the rest of it shatters. So my whole world was falling apart. I use that same analogy. Now I'm wondering if I've heard it from you because I'm like, is that where I got <laughs> it from? Because I use the exact same thing. <laughs> it's so accurate though. Yeah, it is. But yeah, so my parents were not happy, but I realized that if I was an equal woman, I need to start acting like it. Like I need to start making my own decisions. I need to start having my own life. I needed to um, really reevaluate everything. Being a stay-at-home daughter anymore wasn't going to be a thing. You know, I realized I was wrong for the things that I had written on my blog, and I eventually wrote this big apology um, but yeah, family was not pleased. I ended up having to give sort of an ultimatum of like, hey, I'm either gonna leave in my crappy car and have no backup plan, use my babysitting money to try to survive, um, or I can stay at home where you'd prefer that I be and honestly is more convenient for me, um, because I have no real world skills, um, and you can start treating me like an adult and, they weren't real thrilled with that, but they didn't want to lose me. Look at you standing up and, like, making demands. I yeah, love this it. is after about eight hours of really intense discussion that was pretty terrifying. Um, but I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And so we kind of worked out this thing that didn't really work that well. But it was like, well, while you're physically under our roof, you have to obey our rules. But as soon as you step out the doorway, you can do your own things, which it doesn't exactly work that well. But it gave me <laughs> enough freedom to now I've got this car that I bought that's breaking down all the time. Her name was Freedom, by the way. So yes. I went to the movie theater, you know, snuck out to do that at 21 years old. Woo! <laughs> which movie did you see first? 
uh, son of God. And I told no everybody who came with me, I was like, do not post this on Facebook. My parents can't know I went to see a Jesus <laughs> film in a theater. <laughs> and it was called Son of God. Like, it's not even something yes. crazy. <laughs> yes. Um, it wasn't even The Passion of Christ, which is R-rated. Like, this is probably like, I don't know, PG or something. <laughs> um, I started swing dancing, yes. uh, which had been very off limits. I started dating. And that's when I eventually was introduced to my now husband that was really my physical escape. I was changing ideologically, but didn't have like a good safety plan to leave, you know, because of not really understanding the world or being exposed to the real world. And so um, Will and I are 14 years apart, but it was one of those things we met on sort of this blind date and we knew right off intuition was showing up there again that like, girl, you've only known him for four months, but when he offers that ring, you say yes. And then you get married four months after that and we've been in it for about seven and a half years and wow. haven't regretted it a day i mean <laughs> that I was my that, real escape though <laughs> i know that feeling right like just yes. get engaged so okay wow so you're married you're free mentally physically emotionally although of course trauma never really goes away you're always kind of peeling yeah. back the layers so at what point did you really figure out, wow, intuition is this incredible tool and I've been ignoring it this whole time and now I'm going to embrace it and not only embrace it, but teach others how to use it and follow it. I guess you could mm -hmm. say it's almost like a you were redeeming yourself from your previous blog, right? Do you think yeah. maybe subconsciously yeah. you're like, I'm going to right this wrong and steer people in a healthier direction? Right, right. Yeah, well, it, it started coming to me in small bits. So I, I, eventually realized that, oh, this was intuition that was speaking to me in that moment. And that's really what helped me break free. And it was intuition that told me that it was safe to marry this man I'd only known for a few months, um, who's 14 years older than me. <laughs> and We'd never crossed paths before. And that turned out amazing. And there were just a bunch of things that started adding up and I began realizing that, you know what? There seemed to be some patterns with intuition and I started testing them with small things. So it would be like, and again, for a while, I called it the voice of God. I, I now realize there's science behind it and it's intuition, but if people call it God's voice. I don't care as long as you listen to it, call it whatever the hell you want. <laughs> um, <laughs> if that makes you feel better. Um, but I would practice with it. So I would have like a Saturday that was free and I would sit on the couch and I would like tune in and my intuition would be like, um, you need to get in the car and drive to Target. And I'd be like, I don't want to leave the house. I don't have anything I need to Target. But my intuition would be like, go to Target. And so I would get in the car, I'd go to Target. I'd walk down the aisle of Target and there was somebody who literally used to live in Lynchburg, but now lived out of town, who was back in town, somebody that I needed to speak to about abuse advocacy work Whoa. that we hadn't seen each other in person for, for years. And they were, there they were. Yeah. Um, and then it would be other things like uh, my intuition would be like, okay, now I want you to drive to this random church and I'm like, it's a Saturday afternoon. Nobody's at church on Saturday. Like pastors <laughs> are at home trying to prep their sermons. No one's going to be there. It's like the middle of the afternoon. And my intuition's like, nah, go to that church. And I pull up to the church. There's one car in the parking lot. I walk up to the door. The door's unlocked. There's one person sitting in a pew in the front. And I walk in and they're like, I've been waiting for you. 
And I'm like, <laughs> what? <Have laughs> Who are you? And they're like, yeah, I, I felt like I needed to come here today and pray and that somebody would come. And I guess that's you. And they're like, can I, you know, talk to you and pray of you? And they would like pray about, you know, an issue that I hadn't told them in my life. And they're like, yeah, you need to leave that job. Like, uh, it's toxic. Like, this is your sign to get out. And then I'd leave the job. <laughs> so stuff like that started happening. I began being like, you know, this might be a pattern. You should probably start paying attention to this. Probably start to try to actually understand the process better. Uh, so intuition led me to do a bunch of things, move states, start a nonprofit, gave me really direct advice. I started researching, like, how does this work? Like, sometimes it just shows up, but like, what if I could actually like harness it and use it? Yeah. So I began researching intuition and I learned that there is a science behind it. You can engage with it and ask it questions and it'll give you answers. And science and studies show that it is far more accurate than your logical mind. And you can basically get just amazing, incredible wisdom. Um, and all you have to do is ask and follow a couple quick tools. So two things that you have to understand about intuition. One is that it's in your subconscious mind. Two is that it goes through an analytical process to give you answers to problems. And in addition to that, um, it has access to like almost unlimited information. So like it picks up on DNA memory, like from your ancestors. It picks up on things that you subconsciously um, knew a long time ago, but have forgotten. Fetal memory quantum energy in the universe it can pick up on energy in the room from other people like it has almost limitless access to information and it goes through an analytical process to give you answers but it's in your subconscious mind it doesn't tell you how you came to that conclusion so that's why when you hear your intuition a lot of times you're like i don't know how the heck i know this but all of a sudden i just know this mm. but it has to get your attention somehow I have a quick question. So it almost sounds like a fortune teller or an oracle that's living inside of you, <laughs> which is exciting. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering then, because we're referring to it as something outside of you, like you can ask it questions, right? Two separate mm -hmm. things. Do you think that it is innately part of you or that it's kind of like a separate consciousness that's also resonating within you? Does that make sense? So what I would say to that is there's really no separation. Everything's energy. And so you and I look separate, but on a quantum energy level, we're really connected. Okay. So yes, it is part of you. And yes, it has access to information that we perceive to be separate from us, even though nothing's really separate. Mm. Um, so it resonates within you and the voice actually comes from inside of you. It often sounds like your own voice, but the information it picks up on can be energy that we perceive and in our 3D world view as being outside of us. So it kind of reads those things, but it speaks to you from the inside. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And from someone who may be listening, who is either still within a cult or leaving a cult looking for answers, this this may sound a little bit scary, right? Like pulling information from outside of you and it almost feels like you're open to attack in ways. So right. I'm wondering like how you may 
ease someone's conscious or, or um, ease someone's mind about this information that's being pulled? Like, how do you know that this voice that you're hearing is your intuition and not like a demon voice or something? You know, as we were taught. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good from yes. evil, all the things. Yes. So a couple things with that. One, intuition always only comes from a place of love and expansion. It's never going to use fear to get your attention. Mm -hmm. You may feel fear about what it tells you. Like it was very scary for me when it was like, hey, girl, you're in a cult. Um, You should probably do something about that. Like when it said that, it wasn't trying to scare me. It was just giving me the straight facts. But I had a reaction to it, which was fear. But there's a difference between when your ego comes in there, when your trauma comes in there, if you perceive or believe in like bad entities, um, that's going to come from a place of fear. Like it's going to use fear to get your attention. Intuition doesn't do that. Intuition is going to feel calm, cool, clear, concise. It's going to be emotionless, even though you may have emotions after it says something to you. And it's always coming from love and expansion. The way you can know it is something else is if it's rooted in fear, if it feels like scarcity, if it's like hyper energy and like you're overthinking things, if it feels like, um, you know, you're kind of going back and forth between two things, um, or if it, if it just feels, um, if it just feels like kind of playing safe and staying small your intuition again it's going to come from love but it's also going to be expansive so it is coming from you the information it picks up it's always going to filter the answers it gives you from a place of love and expansion it's not gonna use the information it gets to do something twisted and evil and to hurt you it's literally something that's evolved to keep humans alive on the planet (laughs) so it wants to keep you alive and safe yeah that makes sense because you may have people going like yeah well uh warren jeffs heard the voice of god (laughs) aka keep sweet pray and obey if you have not watched it highly recommend yeah yeah. fundamentalist mormonism um and you know he told me to marry children and but my intuition told me to kill someone because blood atonement like wild stuff like that which obviously if it if it creates harm to someone physical harm then that's like that's not the voice we're trying to listen to right exactly and what i would say is sometimes people mistake their ego fear trauma evil intent for intuition when it's really not but you can tell the difference because if a voice is telling you or somebody says a voice told them to go do a blood sacrifice, that's a pretty scary thing. It's like do this or something else is going to happen. And probably if somebody tells you God spoke to me and told me that you should marry this old man, um, your intuition is going to react to that. And it's going to be like, um, that doesn't feel right to me. Mm. So I always tell people to trust their intuition over other people's and let other people trust, trust their gut. But even if I'm doing like an Oracle card reading, I preface it with, this is what my intuition is picking up on. But this is just information for your intuition to react to. And if I say something that doesn't align with what your intuition says, 
discount it. Doesn't mean that the card reading wasn't useful, but if I say this is a yes and inside you're like, oh, that feels like a no, that was still useful because now your intuition reacted and knows what the real answer is. So use other people's information as maybe a a jumping off point or as something for your intuition to react to, but trust yours above others, particularly above other powerful people because they usually have an agenda. Yeah, and I love that you brought up tarot or not tarot, oracle cards um, Mm -hmm. because you teach about many different tools that people can use to tap into their intuition in a more uh, concrete, physical way. Uh, People who may have a harder time hearing but they're really good with visuals so like that's me I (laughs) I definitely prefer visuals and also coming from a cult background it's like don't mess with tarot or oracle cards they're the devil because they're witchy and like I only recently learned a couple years ago that tarot cards just originated from a standard 52 card deck of cards yeah and the gypsies got a hold of them painted pretty pictures and there's tarot so I would love (laughs) for you to explain to people um how tarot and oracle can be perceived as witchy in different which we can get Mm -hmm. into we could spend a whole episode on the cult the occult of tarot right like there are yeah there are good and bad things to everything two sides to every coin but what uh, what would you say to someone who would like to have something that's like a visual representation of Mm -hmm. their intuition and is a little bit afraid of using tarot or oracle cards and maybe just give like a a brief description of what each of those are so Number one, before you get into using tools, which can be very helpful, just remember you don't have to have tools to hear your intuition. Mm. Never get so reliant on tools that you start to doubt what's happening in your own body because that's really where your intuition is housed, in your body and your subconscious mind. So keep that first and foremost and remember that everything else is a tool for that part of you to react to. So Mm. that's number one. Okay. Um. The other thing is intuition shows up in basically four ways. A sense of knowing, probably don't know how you know something, but you just know it all of a sudden. A sense of um, seeing, so maybe you see a visual in your mind's eye. I'm not saying an apparition appears in front of you, but like seeing maybe an image or a movie in your mind, maybe in a dream. Um, Hearing uh, in your mind's ear, that's what I had in that time when that voice spoke to me you wouldn't have heard it beside me and then also feeling so this could be in your gut tingles going up and down your arm you'll have a unique feeling so it's important to know that those are ways intuition shows up before you use tools so you know what's happening when your intuition reacts so a couple of my favorite tools like you mentioned oracle and tarot cards those can be useful because they're really good ways to give your intuition something to react to, something to respond Mm. to. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to call them intuition cards just for people who are new and maybe have like a um, negative connotation with them, but they're just pieces of paper with pictures and words. It's the same as, I don't know if Mormons had this, but back in the day we had like the daily bread and it was like a little book that was like a devotional. You got it every month. People usually set it on the back of their toilet and you, while you're sitting there, you know, you read and whatever <laughs> verse you flip to it always seems to have Relevant. something that applies to you that day yes. all right I did that I did that with the Book of Mormon that's like what we would use and okay I, I've <laughs> used that many times to be like should I do this or should I do that blind thing you you put your finger yes. on the verse and you read it and you're like oh my gosh I got the answer <laughs> 
yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So you pull a card, it says something, or it has a symbol that means something. Tarot has a long history of what each card means. Oracle is very individual. A lot of times it has a guidebook. But you look at that picture, you might read the guidebook, see the image, and then you have your intuition react to it. And maybe you pull a card that has a picture of an animal and that in animal means something to you. And so that's kind of a sign for whatever your question was. It's really, there's no magic in the cards and people who do card readings aren't magic themselves. Um, in, 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 in a way that's any different from the magic that we all have, just being intuitive beings. Um, so that's helpful. You could also use like pendulums, which is like a heavy weighted tool on a string or chain that you can hold and it can swing freely. You can ask it yes or no questions. Um, that actually works because of the many vibrations that happen in your arm um, based on the responses in your subconscious mind. So that's a good way that you can interact with it. Um, I love the three second rule. Um, intuition works really quickly. So you can ask a question. Um, and as long as you're in a calm state, you know, if you're really hyper anxious, you probably need to calm that down first. But if you're in a calm state, um, ask a question and whatever shows up pops to your mind in the first one to three seconds, take that really seriously. That's probably your intuition. Um, and then the other thing is meditations. Um, because intuition happens in the subconscious mind, when you meditate, you access that part of your brain. And so it's easier for questions to come up. And so you can ask questions in meditations. Uh, you can right after you're done with a meditation, start journaling out questions and then journaling whatever words come and flow through. All of these, again, are tools that are reacting, that give your intuition something to react to. They're not necessary to hear your intuition, but I find them really useful, especially for beginners, because you need to kind of be able to engage your intuition with something before you can get really comfortable with hearing its voice, like when it's just trying to get it, your attention on its own. Yeah, all those are so amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to share quickly a story from when I took your intuition mastery class. Yeah, please. Because I think all of this can feel a little overwhelming for someone who's not used to listening to their intuition. And I think the biggest thing for me was making it fun. So doing things that didn't really matter at first, um, as far as like manifesting something or, or yes. like you had all these fun little exercises in your courses, like well, just one day, um, pick a time, maybe give yourself a half hour, however long, and just sit there and listen and be like, okay, I'm going to go here. Just like you said, I'm going to drive to Target or I'm going to drive to a church and just let your intuition guide you in a fun, playful, no consequences type of way. And so one of your exercises was manifesting something and you just had to pick um, an object or a thing that you could manifest throughout the week. And I chose a yellow butterfly. And this was <laughs> during the pandemic when I was not going outside. I mean, I rarely do anyway. But <laughs> but I was like, I don't know how this is going to show up for me because I'm, I'm not even out and about. I don't think I've even seen a yellow butter butterfly around my house before. But that's that was the test. That was the fun test, like picking something that's unique enough to where who knows if I'm going to see it or not. We'll, we'll see if the universe delivers. So I remember I picked the yellow butterfly. The week came and went, and I was kind of deflated. I was like, man it didn't deliver and I was a little upset now I mean looking back it's clear that 
time is an illusion anyway, so what is time? So the next week, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw my friend Sarah, who's an animal trainer, and she has a Great Dane with a yellow butterfly on his nose. And I was like, oh my gosh, it happened. It just didn't take, you know, it was, the time was a little off, but who cares? It was delivered. And so I reached out to her and I was like, oh my gosh, how do you have this butterfly and how did you get it to stay on your dog's nose? Like she's a wizard with animals. (laughs) And so she tells me all the things. I had a production. They, they ordered like a hundred yellow butterflies. The production was postponed. So now I have these butterflies that I don't know what to do with. And I was like, can I take some photos with your butterflies? <laughs> and she was like, you know what? Actually, we already have a shoot scheduled. It's uh, in two days and the butterflies are already going to be there. You can just show up and like hop in some pictures. And I was like, what? And so then my mind started racing and I was like, oh, okay, I need to make a costume because I'm a costumer. So in one day I made a Cinderella costume and I had, I did this photo shoot with like 50 yellow butterflies, real butterflies, just chilling on me. And it was the most magical thing of my life. I (laughs) will link below the photos from this magical shoot and the video. And I was just like, holy crap, it works. (laughs) So I remember coming back to the group. I'm like, Ashley, I manifested not one butterfly, but like 50. And you were like, I'm so proud of you. And so I guess I wanted to highlight the fact that don't take it too seriously at first. When you're honing your intuition, just do things that are playful and fun and exciting because that activates a different vibration around you. It'll activate um, the gratitude vibration and it'll it'll bring you up a notch to where things are just going to kind of fall into place the way that they're meant to and it won't feel so dark and scary and compressed and fearful like we're used to when being in a cult-like environment. Absolutely. Yeah. And basically the trick for that is just ask your intuition to show you a sign and you can pick what the sign is. And so you, Shalise, pick the yellow butterfly. Yes. And it's just fun. Just ask it. You can use it. Like I use it all the time for picking avocados at the grocery store. Like it does not have to be something serious. So yeah, totally in the beginning, start small, start fun. Um, and as you get comfortable knowing that your intuition is speaking, then you can start using it for stuff like your business or um, moving states or picking a soulmate. You know, it it works for those big things too. But yeah, start with fun and small and the more confident you are there, the more you'll build a relationship with intuition so you feel like you can totally trust it when the big things come to. Yes, and I'm glad you clarified because I'm like, I feel like manifestation is the wrong word, but it was asking your intuition to show up for you. And that's how it came to be. Um, so you have all of these great tips and tricks and we have not even scratched the surface. There is so much content that you have created to help people really find their intuition And maybe find is the wrong word, reconnect with their intuition Mm. and use it daily to have a a more happy, healthy life. So how can people find you or what what are you offering? Um, Give everyone the rundown of what you're up to. Yeah. So um, I have a couple programs that I have right now. I'm not in launch season for those. I've got Intuition Mastery, which is a six-week course from intuition curious to full on intuition master. That's what um, Shalise mentioned. I also have a membership. Um, But some of the free things that I've got available for people, um, 
you know, of course you can find me on Instagram at I am Ashley Easter, but I write channeled intuition messages that I send via text every morning, Monday through Friday. I am not on this list and I want to be. Yeah. So it's, it's really fun for me. And I found that the people on the list really like it. And don't worry, like if you sign up for it, you're not getting messages from other people. Like you just get it from me (laughs) and I do respond if you reply and that's really me. So, um, that's totally free. All you have to do is, um, maybe Shalice, you can put this in the, in the notes section, but the number is just, uh, text the number 917-809-7311. I'll read it one more time. 917-809-7311. And then in the message box, just type the word intuition, um, hit submit and you'll be on the list. And, um, you know, I don't spam you with all kinds of stuff. It's just like little tips and inspirational, intuitive messages. And um, I don't know, it's it's one of my favorite things that I do, honestly, um, because I get to connect with people like really personally. I um, love that. So that's fun. Um, uh, the ebook that we mentioned before, uh, Colts Hidden in Plain Sight, you can just go to ashleyeaster.com and then click on the books section and it's under there. That's a free ebook as well. Um, if you're an abuse survivor looking for support, uh, I do have a nonprofit, courage365.org. We've got lots of videos. Shalise has actually been featured in one of our, um, big events. You can find her video there. Um, we've got a lot of free resources there, but I would say that, um, kind of the text message list is a really good way to connect one-on-one, um, you know, that way on a, a daily basis and, uh, would love for anybody to reach out to me on Instagram. I I see my messages. I answer my messages. So um, that would be fun. Oh, one more thing. Uh, I have a podcast that I co-host. Yeah, um, she does. <laughs> and Shalise has been on that too. It's <laughs> called the Serendipity Podcast, Serendipity with Ashley and Charlie. And we pretty much just talk about like magical stuff, like, you know, intuition. Yes. Uh, manifestation. We talk about ghost stories and aliens and just kind of like fun like unicorns and rainbow (laughs) stuff so I've done a lot of intense work over the years and so this is just sort of like my fun outlet of like what if you know kind of thing so that's fun if you want to follow along there so everyone go follow Ashley Easter right now I'm gonna link all the things below so it's a click away and before we wrap up it is time for our Linda listen segment so (laughs) this can be Anything that you want to say to people who have oppressed you or people who have talked down to you. And this is like your power moment. It can be silly. It can be serious. It can be whatever you want. So do you have a Linda Listen statement? Girl, I totally do. Linda Listen, the patriarchy is a scam and I want no part of it. You are trying to control my body and um, I'm done with that shit. Yes, preach. I love that so much. Let me think if I have one um, based on your story. Linda, listen. My intuition has been talking to me this whole time, and you have been trying to make me ignore it, but that is no longer going to happen because I am free, I am powerful, and I am an intuitive being that is going to rock this world. Woo! Yes, (laughs) take that. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. You're incredible. We always have the best conversations and I know this will not be the last. Um, for anyone else out there listening, thank you so much for joining and following along. I highly recommend trying all these fun tips and tricks for following your intuition. And until next time, follow your highest excitement, be conscious, and be well. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot if you could like and subscribe on YouTube and leave a review or a comment to help with our visibility. You can also find me on social media at Colts to Consciousness or reach out by email at Colts to Consciousness at gmail.com.